Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined once again by the beat reporters Jim Thomas from Charleston, South Carolina, Tom Timmerman back here in the STL getting ready to go into his live chat with our eager Blues fans while the season, guys, is upon us. But, JT, uh, the Blues, well, everybody else is getting busy. They wouldn't say they're on vacation, but a little different experience for the Blues as the season gets going. Yeah, and I got to say, I if I sound a little stressed out, the, the only restaurant near the hotel is called the Grit Counter, G-R-I-T, the Grit Counter. And, you know, I'm a proud Yankee, and uh, grits to me are pretty Southern, and it was basically impossible to order anything there that didn't have grits on it. So I had grits two days in a row, oh. and uh, I bet I haven't had grits two times in my life previously. So a, a little stressful, guys, a little stressful. Well, but I'm yeah, all right. But but what do you do to grits? This raises an important question. What do you do to with grits to make it so you, so you can actually eat grits? They put some uh, gouda cheese on mine, and you know, as um, uh, my cousin Vinny said, uh, do you like yours? What do you say in that movie? Do you re- like yours regular, creamy, or al dente? <laughs> Remember that line? That was a famous movie line. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're pretty bland. Pretty bland. <laughs> You know, there's a there's a jazz club in Southern California called the Baked Potato, where everything on the menu is a baked potato, and it's just different way baked potatoes with different things on them. So, uh, you know, th- they could do that with grits. We could have you know, grits and chili, grits and uh, you know, whatever you know, bacon bits. I don't know, but you could just yeah. you could put anything and use the grits as a as a vehicle for yeah. other other foodstuffs. I would that, that, that's probably the secret to grits, what you add with it. Uh, Tom, what were you doing in a jazz club, though? What, what was that? Uh, having a baked potato is uh, what I was having. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was from my beatnik days. So that was... Uh, ah. that was uh, yeah. All right. So now on to, on to hockey. And before we, we dive into this, we do have to uh, take a moment to reflect on the time and the memories of uh, that we had with, with Clem Costin. It was a... Uh, it, it seemed like a long time, yet it was a short time. Or was it a short time that seemed like a long time? <laughs> Whatever. Uh, JT, we finally, finally turned the page on the big Russian kid. You know, and in retrospect, it's probably good you didn't shell out the, the money, 100 bucks, whatever it is these days, for an NHL jersey. It's probably good you didn't do that. I know it was painful at the time for you to be uh, to be without uh, a Clint Costin jersey. But, uh, yeah. You know, it just it just never added up. The enigma that is Clem Costin, a big body, good skater for his size, NHL caliber shot, will play physical, but it never added up. And I guess uh, uh, Doug Armstrong, because as we know, he, he makes the decisions on the roster, not Craig Berube. Craig Berube decides who plays, but Armstrong makes the decisions on uh, on who's part of the organization and. Uh, he said it was uh, it was time, and after he cleared waivers, w- was able to get you know I guess something for him in the uh, defenseman. I'm chuckling there because his only uh, NHL experience, uh, Dmitry Samurakov, I believe I'm pronouncing it right, was just a nightmare of a two minutes twenty eight seconds against the Blues. Jordan Cairo just beat him soundly on two plays, led to two goals. That this is December of last season against Edmonton and. Smurkoff was benched, and that's the last he has seen of the NHL. But uh, he's down in Springfield, and, you know, maybe a change of scenery 
will do them good. But yeah, back to your original thought, Jeffrey, uh, not every blues draft pick or every trade has worked out well. And, uh, the big fella, Clem Costin, I mean, uh, good, good luck to him with the, uh, with the men of oil. I mean, this seemed like the golden opportunity for Costin. I mean, the bad thing was it looked like at the end of the last season, he'd lost his spot to Torpchenko. There was no room for him, but then Torpchenko gets hurt. So it's like, okay, here's going to be Costin's chance to make the team. And he didn't do it. He did not you know, raise his game to the level that uh, they were, uh, they wanted to keep him around. And even though it meant, they, they risked losing him for nothing, putting him on waivers. And you can see that nobody clamored to get him there. And they made this trade with them, which is a good thing. I mean, it's like, okay, Clem, you know, it didn't work here. We're not going to keep you around as, you know, bad memories for everybody, a fresh start somewhere else. And, um, and to Edmonton or to Bakersfield, I guess right now. Uh, he goes. No, I guess this is, speaks to a common issue in the NHL. When you start to, you get down to crunch time and trying to put your roster together, you know, Guys, some guys have skill, but not quite enough. They have to play a skilled position. They have to play on a scoring line, but they're just not quite good enough to do that at the NHL level. And they certainly don't work hard enough or play with the tempo or or, or maximize their shifts to the degree that they have to, to play on the fourth line. Either you can do one or, or you can do the other. And, uh, you know, if, if you're not gritty enough for the one role and you're not quite talented enough for the other, you've just fallen between. And, boy, a lot of guys like that out there. In the, in the NHL and JT, another guy that's kind of fallen into that category, although he's, he's, he's had a chance to stick with the team as a veteran now is, is, is Josh Levo, a guy that can play up uh, and has played down, but has just sort of been caught in between in his career. And he's, he's hoping to, to maybe stick with the blues. Yeah. Uh, Josh and uh, Jake neighbors had an interesting day yesterday in Springfield air quotes as the, uh, the blues did their cap gymnastics to, uh, uh, get under the cap. But, uh, yeah, Levo came out and worked hard, made an impression, uh, right away and was able to open, you know, to earn an opening day spot. Who, who knows how long it'll last. Maybe once Tarpchenko gets healthy or if, uh, uh, the blues figure, Hey, Alexandrov's uh, tearing it up in, uh, uh, Springfield. We need to, we need to bring him back up here, but, uh, he's a guy just today, uh, uh, JR and I talked to him and, and, uh, he said, he just, he's just really thankful. He, he said he, he really didn't feel like he ever got a chance last year with Carolina and that maybe it was a mistake signing with them. And, uh, the blues at least gave him a chance. He played in five of the eight games and let's face it, that this is a tough blues roster, uh, to make, but he's a guy who has scored big in the AHL. And that, you know, hasn't translated. Of course, he hasn't played a ton of NHL games, but he was the, uh, he won the AHL version the, uh, of the Conn Smythe Trophy in, in the playoffs, uh, beating the, uh, the Blues uh, Springfield Farm Club in the, uh, in the final. So we'll, we'll see how he, uh, how he looks on the, uh, looks like he'll open on the fourth line with uh, Achari and Walker. I should mention with Torpchenko, He's been doing everything, and they 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 had some pretty physical work today. And Baruby said after practice that he's got to get a final clearance once they're back in St. Louis from the doctors. And he said, and then it's up to me. Uh, but I, I, you know, we we've heard back in St. Louis, uh, we we've heard on a couple occasions uh, Baruby say they don't want to rush him. So I'm not sure that Tarpchenko, even if he's cleared. Will will be in the lineup. He kind of rotated a little bit in with that 
fourth line uh, in, in practice uh, uh, today. And the other thing, Logan Brown, there's no way Logan Brown's going to play uh, uh, Saturday. It, it very much looks like a left shoulder injury. He didn't practice uh, uh, today or Tuesday, left the ice very early Monday. Chief uh, said he's going to be checked out there. So I wonder if it's a no-go with Brown, as it certainly seems like it is, and a no-go with Tarpchenko, do they call up an Alexandrov just to to have a spare body, to, to have an extra part? And Tom, Tom, uh, the, the eagle eye of Tom Timmerman noticed that they never – the last time we were in the locker room in St. Louis, they, they never cleared out Tyler Pitlick's locker. His nameplate was still up there, all the other cup players. So I don't know if Tyler Pitlick somehow is in this picture, but I think there's a chance the, the, the Blues will, will add a spare forward just for the start of the season. Yeah, I would just think, I mean, Torbchenko hasn't played in a game since, you know, March or April last year. That it would just be tough to even in a fourth line role to put him in to have him not have played a preseason game and gone all this time. You know, I wonder if there was a rehab assignment for him to get in a game or two in Springfield uh, before going in. But yeah, you know, Josh Levo, who I am going to call Nick at some point during this season um, is um, he's also a very good defensive forward. And that's probably one of those things that won, uh, you know, that won Berube and the staff and, Armstrong over is that easy? He's a good defensive player, and that's that always will uh, earn you points uh, with the Blues. Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, it's he, as a tweener, uh, he's had to embrace that you know maxing out the shifts, the the details of the job. Uh, his offense is probably only periodically here and there going to get a chance to show that at the NHL level. So, nothing the Chief likes more than predictability with a guy that understands where he's supposed to go. And with the effort to get there, not, not sometimes, but every time, if you get 12 shifts a game or, or nine shifts a game in this role, man, you better not uh, go out there floating around on one or two of those. Yeah, for sure. And I think Levo understands that uh, uh, very much so, but I, I do think eventually, uh, and who knows how long it'll take the fourth line, at least the ideal fourth line as we sit here right now would be Torbchenko Achari and uh, Walker, which would really, and again, nothing against Levo, but really would have the, the makings of a, a, a pretty, you would think a pretty effective uh, energy line. Yeah, and we know that Barubi loves Walker and he loves Torepchenko, and it seems like he's um, starting to, you know, he, he, Achari's a new guy, but he, he likes him too, and that's, you know, you know, guys who play the style that uh, Barubi wants to play. But yeah, I mean, is you know, does Levo end up? Is he, you know, James Neal a year later? Is it as guys get healthy if Torpchenko and Brown are there? Is there no room for him? You know, it, or is he a guy? I mean, he's a guy that could be your 13th or 14th forward. And, um, you know, while Nikita Alexandrov gets regular games in Springfield. Yeah, and that's a good story before we move on to getting ready for the start of the season. Uh, this team badly needs uh, young guys to develop. And losing Prunovich on the blue line was just a, still another blow to a team that doesn't have a ton of young talent on the on the near horizon. Alexandrov's a guy that uh, has earned some favorable comparisons to guys who are useful role players in St. Louis. Hasn't been, you know, tremendously productive in, in the A, but um, came in and, uh, and JT turned some heads, got stronger, and uh, you know played with some effort. 
and again, doing some of the stuff that the chief likes to see guys do. Yeah, chief is all about the, the little details and with more of a trained eye than many of us that cover the game for sport. And I think I can speak for Tom when we say he really wasn't on our radar. I, I had the benefit of watching him for a couple of games in, uh, in Travers. And uh, yeah, okay, you'd notice him a little bit here and there, but it seemed like really nothing special. But, uh, you know, he, he came within a whisker, I would say, of making the uh, opening day roster. And again, depending on the how the brown Torpchenko scenario plays out, may, maybe he's on the opening day roster as well. But, uh, you know, Bill Armstrong, when he was here with the Blues, uh, now the GM of Arizona, but when he was uh, heading the uh, amateur scouting, he compared uh, uh, Alexandrov to a young Tyler Bozak. I had another personnel guy say he reminds him of Lars Eller. So that, that's pretty high praise. Last year, Alexandrov, he, had, he was on the COVID list for a while. He had some injury issues. So I think there's more there. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to see. Uh, that uh, uh, maybe they've, they've they've got another guy who can uh, who can play because uh, they 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 definitely lack depth in terms of forwards down there. You know, on defense down there, we can see Tyler Tucker, we can see Matt Kessel, Leo Luce playing over in the Liga in Finland, but you don't really see a whole lot in terms of you know maybe forwards that can help them. And Bull Duke's playing uh, juniors, so uh, it's it's good to see. Uh, Alexandrov step up his game he came back a little bigger and stronger and that's something all these younger players they have to do every offseason get bigger and stronger bigger and stronger Thomas and Cairo as much as they've accomplished still every summer that's one of their top goals yeah to to uh, kind of out myself but on the when the, the day the Blues made those some of their last set of roster moves and I like was looking and saying wait a second I, I haven't crossed Nikita Alexandrov on my list yet did I miss him? Is he with? Like, no, he's, he's, still, yeah. Yeah, he's still in camp. And, and it might have been just because I, I think he did. He play in a home game? Did he? Did, was he seen? Or did he only play in you know games that were uh, you know mysterious? You know that were played in you know the Kansas City area or something? But uh, I don't. I, you know, it was as like, part you know, of as part of the Blues tour of ECHL buildings. Uh, yes. This is their third ECHL venue they played in this preseason. Wow. And, and there's only like about, uh, there's not 32 ECHL teams. There's only, uh, there's like 26 or something. So, uh, wow, they're seeing a high percentage. Yeah. It's, Tommy, the, you know, Tommy the, I just looked it up while you were talking. The only home game he played was the Chicago game, the last preseason game out yeah. of his five games. So, yeah. So, we, you know, that's kind of a certain class of player that was only, you know, it's okay. We'll take him on the road. But, uh, you know, <laughs> under those circumstances, he, uh, he shined. Okay, so let's talk about what this team needs to do now. The season is about to start. The uh, analytics people hate this team. Um, you know, they, they see just regression flags flying everywhere with so many guys having, you know, peak production years or shooting it at abnormally high percentages and such. Um, certainly had some fun with that topic uh, as we get closer to the season. But, uh, JT, one thing that clearly the team's going to have to do is allow fewer goals and be stronger five on five. And, and uh, this is a... Uh, a topic so um, that's been explored now with our coverage. So just to talk about what they're, they're trying to do defensively, because boy, you're putting a lot on Colton Preco and Nick Letty as a, as a shutdown pair that may be in quotes. And then you're really putting a lot on Robert Bortuzzo and Nico Mikola as a third pairing. It's um, this team's just got to be way, way better 
uh, defensively and, of course, get better goaltending, too, uh, to try to do what they did last year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And for, for all the stress, even last year, our emphasis was placed on playing better defensively. They were only marginally better by the most basic stat. They went from 2.98 goals allowed uh, in the uh, uh, 2021 season to 2.92 last year. And I know scoring was up, so maybe they were a little better defensively than that, but they, they, they've just got to be better. And I thought Tom, in his uh, preview section story, laid it out uh, very well. Just the fact that they're, they're trying to cut down on the odd man rushes and uh, just uh, further emphasis, and they've emphasized this for a while now, but just keep the play outside, keep the play out of the middle, cut down on the slot uh, shots. I, I think they feel a little better. They were better defensively when Letty arrived and, and, and they're kind of banking that that will continue. I, I really think it's time for, for Mikola uh, to step forward and uh, uh, be, be, be a factor. I think he can take another step forward and uh, a lot depends on the goaltending. Now, again, it's just preseason, uh, but the Bennington was, he was outstanding in the preseason. I think he gave up two goals on 62 shots. And that's the one thing that maybe, all the, the outside prognosticators aren't factoring in that what if uh, Jordan Bennington gets back on his game and maybe not Stanley Cup version of Jordan Bennington, but even the 2019-20 version of Bennington was excellent, at least uh, until they got up to the uh, bubble in, uh, in Edmonton. And uh, Grice was playing very well and then gave up a touchdown uh, in, in Columbus. So I, I, I guess that's an outlier, but, uh, we'll see, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think a key is, is if Bennington plays better and at least avoids the prolonged slump that really he had not only last year, but he, he's had a mid season slump <laughs> each of the previous two years as well. Yeah. I was just looking at some numbers from, uh, uh Michael Blake McCurdy, a hockey analytics guy up in Canada who was saying that he was looking at numbers and said, with the the blues just allowed goals at the wrong time they were in effect unlucky in their timing um that because and we saw this in the stanley cup year where it seemed like bennington was very good at making the stop when the stop was needed in like the first two periods to keep the game close keep the blues in the game till they could get the lead and then you're gonna go up that better to give it up when it's three to nothing in your favor than when it's zero zero and so the Blues didn't do that last year. So that's another thing in goaltending. They've got to get timely goaltending. And I think Huso did that more than Bennington did on making the stops when they needed to be made. But, yeah, you know, I, I, I wish there were numbers on it as to how the Blues ranked on odd man rushes. We see them all the time. It seemed like an awful lot. And I don't know how that compares with what other teams were allowing. But uh, they really got to – that's something they got to – work on because it also it puts the goalie in a tough position if you're having them face two on ones and three on twos all the time yeah and, and jt i mean there's uh it, it's just looking at the defensive core i mean it's a um you know the, i it, it's tough to imagine you don't you don't want uh again uh, nico and, and robert defending a lot of odd man rushes you don't want uh you know uh, it, you don't want to get caught, you know, Colton Preco is pretty good at uh, defending the rush, but now you're asking Nick Letty to be really good in a role where, you know, for the first time in his life, probably being counted on to, to take on tough matchups. So man, it's a, uh, you know, just looking at the personnel side of it, 
I, I just can't help but think that, um, you know, with the, a little bit of cap space that he now has and, and whatever else he can come up with as the season evolves, that Doug Armstrong has to be on a 24-7 lookout for a defenseman. Yeah, yeah, especially, uh, again, uh, you have guys like Kessler and Tucker down in uh, in Springfield, but they, they, they both probably need, you know, another year of seasoning, maybe even more for uh, – for Kessel. So yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. And, and part, I think part of the reason for the two man rushes is chief chief likes a, an aggressive decor. He likes a decor that will join the rush that will jump into the play. They were working on a drill today in the Charleston where uh, they had their D men jump up into the play. And you know what happens sometimes you, you pinch up or jump into the play and you can get caught uh, flat-footed and all of a sudden there's there's a rush going the other way but it's uh it looks like it's uh something that uh chief figures is worth the risk because it seems like they're really emphasizing that in the in in the practices yeah i i, I kind of wondered and it was would have been tough to do with the cap space they had if they didn't try to reach out and grab somebody in the and waivers as all those players moved through the waivers uh on the last couple of days of camp if there was someone there uh, that would have worked for them, um, but a space is tight, even though they've got, they're going to go in, now that Scandella is on LTIR, they have about $1.3 million worth of space. But um, that was a case where, yeah, if, if, if they, it seems like they need another body and someone who's going to play or unless, unless, uh, you know, Bortuzzo or Mikola steps up his game and becomes that guy this season. So interesting to, to read about our guy. You know, we've talked up Kelly Rosen over time. He has not embarrassed himself. Um, could this be the time where he gets to um, actually engage a realtor, JT? You know, uh, he told me he's used to the hotel life. So I think he might stay there. And he says he's got one of these, what they call them, extended stay hotels where you have a, like a little kitchen. So he and the wife are fine. They, they, they have no children. So I think he's... Uh, I think he's fine there. That That is kind of an interesting thing for these players that are, you know, kind of right on the uh, uh, fringe, like uh, Josh Levo was staying with Logan Brown and uh, cooking for Logan to help uh, uh, earn his keep there. But he says he's in an Airbnb now and he's just going to stay there, stay there for a while. Jake Neighbors is still in the hotel and he was basically at uh, Braden Shen walked by while we were talking. He's basically begging Braden Shen to put him in his home like he's he's done in the past. So, yeah, that's that's kind of a that's kind of a strange limbo uh, these guys are in. But yeah, I think we'd all we'd all be foolish if we th thought okay, they've got their seven D. No one, no defenseman will get hurt the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that's the issue. And uh, yeah, if they have to in small doses, Callie Rosen's. Like, yeah, I think it's fair to say he's been effective, uh, but. Boy, if you had to depend on him for a long stretch, I, I, I don't know, fellas. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's going to be a tough situation because yeah, Kessel or Tucker could be getting playing time soon. Or the return of Steven Santini. Talking about guys in training camp, I mean, Martin Furk, uh, who we, who we all love for various reasons. But yeah, I mean, his wife is pregnant, and it's possible. I think today is her due date as we record this. And she was in Los Angeles where he was last season. Then she moved out here. He's been assigned to Springfield. I haven't seen if he's been training there or not, or if the baby has been born. But that's uh, um, 
you know, that's a, I know he was like concerned about when they went on the road trip to Columbus because he was going to be gone, you know, for like eight hours for that game while his wife is sitting alone in their hotel room, uh, hoping not to go into labor while, uh, while he's out of town playing hockey. Well, just goes to show you, you know, we, it's a great life being a pro athlete, but Van, if you're on the bubble, you're one of these guys and, you know, like, uh, like our favorite and a favorite of one of our chatters, Nathan Walker, his family's back in Australia and he spent all these years in the A, a little bit of time in the East Coast League and just a, a few sips of coffee here and there in the NHL and living on that, uh, gosh, living on that edge. I mean, you would think that, well, you know, given what they go through, you would think that those guys would, if you're on that edge, I mean, every shift you would be playing with so much desperation, you would think, because man, it's a, that's a, that's a, it's a hard way to go uh, to be in, to be caught in between like this, where all of a sudden, you know what, extended stay, that's a great lifestyle. Well, not really, but it's, I guess it's to get used to it, but man, I, it just speaks to, I, I can't comprehend how, how weird that must be to be on that edge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, Nathan Walker was one of the most requested blues for interviews this week, especially by the local media. He played all of six games with the Charles, with the South Carolina Stingrays, the ECHL club here. So he's much in demand, but I'm sure he doesn't have two five. I mean, he played six games here one year when he was in the Capitals, only one home game. So I, I don't think he's got a list of like, uh, favorite stops but it was interesting talking I guess I I talked to him as well uh this is his you know this is the first time he's he's made an opening day NHL roster this is his first bonding trip I mean it's it's all new to him so he's he's soaking it all in he's enjoying it but yeah when you lived on the edge on the bubble for so long you take nothing uh nothing for granted that that's that's for sure and so those and those guys will be uh, will be playing a role on this team, and they're gonna, you know, Callie Rosen. This is this is his chance. Um, there'll be some guys, some of the guys, and you know, Logan Brown is kind of has kind of backed into that situation. He went from not being in that situation to being in that situation, and now he's he's playing for his job um, every day. It's just nice to be able to go to a restaurant and like a real restaurant. And one where you have to order your uh, your side dishes separately, and uh, and also be able to be able to take a glance over at the wine list versus just taking whatever it is that they throw into the carafe if you're a poor person, and uh, the quote unquote house wine that the wife and I usually drink when we're out. So it must be just it must be weird to go on, especially on one of these road trips where you're charter flight and you're going to a nice restaurant and hopefully they're not, they're not making you pay for it uh, as one of these rookie hazing deals, but just just to be able to enjoy that for a guy like Nathan Walker, after all those playing in uh, how many million games did he play in Hershey, for instance, no yeah. offense to Hershey, fine city, been there. Um, Chocolate bars. Yeah. I mean, how, but just, just imagine what that must, for those who have really earned it, who had to earn it, what that must feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of food, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention apparently Tory Krug, who went once he left Boston, he, he made his off season home here. So he was the concierge, everyone. He apparently good reviews on the restaurants he picked out, but there's a, there was a farmer longtime uh, ECHL goalie, Parker Milner, who's post hockey duty now. And he played for the stingrays for about four years. He's a food editor for the local paper here. And so Tory crew got some help from him and the, uh, 
in the restaurant. So they had a good time at the restaurants. I got the biggest kick out of the little tale of the four Russians farming a foursome for the golf tournament. They'd never played golf before. Uh, they bought a set of golf clubs to use for $1,700. Yeah, Jeff, when you, uh, when you want to play some golf for the, you, you, you go out and buy it. You don't go to the, to the yard sale. You, you spend seven and the, uh, the best Russian of the foursome uh, got to keep the golf clubs. And that turned out to be uh, Torpchenko. And he was really happy about it. Of course, Torpchenko strikes uh, Dundee Thomas, a guy who's really happy about everything. But because the Russians uh, were new to the sport, uh, Team Vladdy, as I call them, they, they got to play four and it's best ball. So they got four shots to take their best ball. Everybody else was was doing a twosome. But I love the little hazing they did of Torpchenko. You may have seen it on Blue's social media the old exploding golf ball. He was on the driving range and poof, smoke. It looked like something out of the Three Stooges. Torpchenko looked very surprised. But yeah, just a few hijinks here on the on the bonding trip. That reminds me of my favorite Torpchenko Kostin story, which goes back to their first training camp. And I think we were still out of the mills, out of the ice zone in Hazelwood. And, and I go to talk to Torpchenko, who spoke very little English. And Klim Kostin was there and said, I'll translate for you. And so I interviewed Torpchenko, translated by Klim Kostin. And then I turned to Klim and said, okay, now I need to interview you. And he said, sorry, no interviews. My English isn't good enough. And, and walked away. <laughs> just, just adding to the mystery of the enigma. Yes. That was Klim Kostin. So he was, he was fun. He was English. And, and I got, he wasn't like the greatest translation I'd ever had, but he was, he was English good enough to translate for Alexei Torpchenko. Happiest man alive, by the way, we, I mean, I don't know that there's a happier guy on this team than Alexei. But he was happy, like when he was having surgery. I mean, we saw him during, like, right in the season, end, and he was like, hey, "How you doing? Hey, I just had soldier surgery." You know, he was doing, he was doing great. So, do the Blues have, by the way, more shoulder things than other teams? I mean, it's a common joint. But when you look at Brown, Tarasenko, Torpchenko, it's shoulders galore. Yeah, uh, on this team. Yeah. And poor Brownie, he was what, what he had four goals in three games. Yeah. We, we really, for all the good things Jake Neighbors has done, we don't know if if Brown is there and on on that third line doesn't get hurt. I don't know if it's a sure thing that Neighbors makes the uh, the opening day uh, roster, yeah. but yeah, they they have had some shoulder issues, and supposedly the Brown one happened in Independence when they played at the at the. Uh, the uh, uh, ECHL team there, the, the Missouri Mavericks, or no, maybe they're called the Kansas City Mavericks now. But you know, he scored with like two and a half minutes left in the game. I I never saw him get hurt or anything. But uh, yeah, they've they've had some shoulders. Okay, last thing on the net front for this week, um, we've expressed our concern about the defensive core and and, and the goaltending. <clears throat> Still, uh, what have you seen from the power play? Uh, will they continue to dust the puck off, or will we see some sense of decisiveness in the post Perron era for the uh, for the Blues? Well, they've only had you know a little bit of work with the regular roster. I was surprised today, and they went after it pretty hard today. That they they didn't do any uh, they didn't do any power play work. So that that was uh, pretty bizarre. And I tell you, it's as difficult as ever to figure out which is the first unit, which is the second. This is what they're going to go in the season with. Krug, Tarasenko, Buchnevich, Thomas, Barbashev. Interesting there because it's the Thomas line plus 
Krug, and Barbashev. The other unit was Falk, Shen, Cairo, O'Reilly, and Saad. Interesting there because it's basically the O'Reilly line plus Falk and uh, 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 Shen. Normally, when I see Krug and I see O'Reilly together, that's the number one unit. Well, now they're on they're on the uh, they're on separate units. So uh, who knows how this is going to work out? And and we can't we can't overstate the how effective that one timer Peron is. I mean, their, their numbers were good in the uh, in the preseason here, but it, it's going to be a, it's going to be a period of adjustment. And for a guy like Cairo, maybe even for Saad uh, and and Barbie, this is this is a chance maybe for them to 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 make some hay. Yeah, we asked Berui about it. Who, uh, who's the one-time threat? And he said, well, guys have to learn. Guys have to start, you know, Tarasenko can do it. Some of the guys who can do it, but they just have to, you know, they have to start doing it. He said that we've worked on it. We're working with guys to take one-timers. And he said, you know, no one has the Peron level, but guys are going to have to do it. And it sounds like it's still kind of up in the air who will be that person, you know, who's the right-handed shot that uh, will be doing it. Yeah, I don't want to be negative here, but, you know, the season's about to start. Um, this is not one of those things you suddenly develop. Uh, you know, it's not the thing you want to work on, quote unquote, work on during the season. <laughs> Having a primary uh, shot threat in a power play to keep to to pay the defense, to make the defense pay for being a person short. It's probably something we're going to want to go into the season with, but that's just me. So, um, yeah, I, w- I was surprised they, they, they didn't do any work on, on the uh, PP today. I was. They did yesterday. It's like you just, Tom, you just can't send a guy to one-timer school and have him come back <laughs> in a couple of days. He's good to go. With a certificate? Yeah. Successful, <laughs> successfully completed the one-timer course. I, Jordan Cairo, nothing but one-timers for, for like about two hours straight. Just keep cranking them away. until. All right, I can do that now. Well, it's just, again, that could have been covered over the summer, but uh, for some of these guys, well, whatever. Uh, we'll see, guys. It's, uh, the season is underway, and, um, you know, we're we're in for a good one. The Western Conference should be a, a heck of a race this year. We're looking forward to it here at the net front. A reminder that you can continue to read great coverage in the Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. Uh, going forward, we've had just a ton of stuff with our preview edition uh, and all the stuff that went online as a result of that so hopefully you enjoyed that you're prepared you're ready to go for saturday's game in the meantime for jim thomas for tom timmerman i'm jeff gordon until next time see ya